have me too. Oh, I love allergy season. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. This is a lot more people than we thought were going to be here 15 minutes ago. <laughs> no, I, I know everybody, so I'm not as nervous this morning. Y'all are used to me doing announcements, but welcome to New Gray Baptist Church. Announcements um, this morning are pretty simple. We're not going to have the Tuesday Bible study at Alex's house, but we'll have Wednesday at 6. Sharp. I'll be leading it, so I'll start with Sharp. <laughs> we had that last week. Uh, and then Shower Friday like normal. Uh, none of our Shower Friday people are here, but that's fine. Um, and then Alex, it's tomorrow at 6.30 at FBNL. The train, oh yeah. Um, there's a NOVA meeting. It's, um, the topic is uh, children's safety. Um, in church, overall, just they're going to train folks how to do um yeah anyone anyone who interacts with kids it's going to be beneficial okay. so I, I would really encourage y'all to go yeah. um it's going to be high quality uh really good stuff that our church cannot afford so thank you Nova. Mm. <laughs> so um six or six thirty i would show up a little before six it's fbno so they'll have coffee and um things like that it'll be really good um if me and Pam's schedule can suffice, and if we're not super tired, we're going to go tomorrow. So, um, and NOVA meetings are really good anyway. You just get to see uh, folks across our, not just our parish, but multiple parishes be there and meet them. It's always a good time. So, uh, yeah, so we've got prayer requests, but let's, uh, let's go to the Lord right now in prayer. Um, Father, I'm so grateful for this community. I'm grateful for the uh, just the, the wide ranges of stories that are in this room right now. Um, and stories of redemption, Father. I'm just I'm grateful for the legacy of our church, and I'm grateful for the legacy of uh, our partners like uh, John, who's preaching this morning in our city, who's uh, who's building your kingdom um, right alongside us. And uh, many other church communities in this city, um, Father, for uh, for the families in this room right now, I just pray that you would be with us, and uh, and, and every individual in this room that you would be with us for the, the fires of life and the difficulties of of um, just our walk uh, uh, with you and, and with other people and just life in general, Father. Um, we're thankful that our hope and our peace is found in you. As always, Lord, we uh, we pray as you taught us to pray. Our Father, our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And if not into temptation, deliver us from evil. Yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I have the immense privilege this morning of introducing uh, two new members of the church. What? What? Yes. Um, I say that. I say I'm introducing them. We're actually going to vote on them. So if uh, if you, so uh, Pam, Marlena, can you stand where you're at? Just so people know you, know that. All right. 
important with church members to know that these are our people. We are responsible for them. Um, and so we need to know them. We need to check up on them. And we need to be in their lives, right? And they need to be in ours. Um, and so church membership is always a reminder of what binds us together. Our shared belief, we're going to say the Apostles' Creed in just a moment, um, all together, our shared belief, but also our shared lives and our shared work together in the kingdom. And so praise God for uh, new members, uh, praise God for all the old members, um, and just uh, anyone who's willing to, to live and work alongside us here. Uh, go and sit down. Thank you. Uh, I do want to say just a little bit about the membership process in case you're thinking about it or, or in case you're wondering, it's like, well, how do we do that? So um, we always want to make sure that um, people members of the church believe in Jesus and are Christians. Uh, we always want to uh, baptize people if they haven't been baptized. So Pam and Marlena are both coming from other churches. Um, there are good reasons to uh, switch churches, and they both have good reasons. Um, you know, Pam married one of the pastors here, so it's pretty pretty good reason. Um, and Marlena has their own reasons, and they're, they're great. Um, so we're so grateful. Um, to have them here, and they've been through what was a six-month membership process where we, just uh, an intentional time of discipleship with them as they join the church, um, kind of like catechesis in the ancient church, but, uh, so if you are pro uh, them joining as members, can you please uh, applaud? <laughs> Amen. Um, and if you're against it, come talk to me afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let us say together um, the, the foundations, the orthodox of our faith. Um, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified, dead, and was buried, he descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Let's pray with me one more time. Father God, we do affirm, Lord, this is what we believe. Every time we ask the, the question of, of where do we draw the lines, God, this is it. This, this is what we believe as Christians, Lord. This is what we affirm and uphold, Lord, that you are God and we are humanity. God, who are we that you're mindful of us? But I praise you that you save people, God, that you have saved um, these two sisters that we're affirming as members today, Lord, Lord, we praise you that you live and work in and through our lives lifelong, Lord, to sanctify us and, and make us more like you, God, to, to change our practices, God, to where we are doing the work of your kingdom, Lord, to change our heart, Lord, where we are hoping and longing for your future, uh, that you are even now bringing ever closer. And we say along with the Apostle John, Lord, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. going to take a few moments to read God's word together and to respond together in prayer. Our gospel reading is very long again this week. It's not my fault this time. I actually made it shorter. Um, but it is 
the longest recorded conversation that Jesus has with someone in the scripture. And so the length is kind of part of the point of it. It's part of the importance. Um, so we are going to be reading the whole thing. It's a story that we're familiar with. So I don't feel like I have to introduce it very much. Alex preached a sermon on it not terribly long ago. Um, it's the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. Um, as the early church and our Orthodox and Catholic siblings know her, um, St. Potina, um, the first apostle to the Gentiles. But we're going to be talking for a moment this morning about setting her story, this story, within the context of this season of Lent. And it's so appropriate and unexpected and completely unintentional that we're reading this passage on a day when we have new members joining the church. Because one of the most beautiful things to me about the season of Lent is that it is a season when new members are preparing to be joined to the church. And where those who have been separated um, from the faith are being prepared to be reconciled and to be reunited. Um, so I want us to think a little bit this morning about what this passage means for people um, who feel outside and are being brought in. The well in this passage carries a lot of heavy symbolic weight. But one of the things people would have recognized reading the story or hearing it told is that in the Old Testament, the well is a place where betrothals take place. It's a place where two of the patriarchs and Moses met their wives. Um, they come to the well and they meet this woman and um, are blown away. And then she ends up going and telling her family about this guy she met at the well. And then a wedding happens. So we see a version of that story take place here. But the woman at the well is an outsider, is one of the ungodly in the terms of Jewish religion's concepts of the day. And Jesus comes to meet her, to talk with her deeply, the longest recorded conversation he has with anyone in the scripture, and tells her everything about herself. And what we see in this passage is kind of a reflection of what we talked about last week. Last week we talked about um, God making the covenant with Abraham, God making the covenant with Israel, and how these things were not ways to earn God's love. These were gifts of God that happened after faith. And so this week we're taking that even deeper, even before faith. God doesn't love us because of our faith. We have faith because God loves us, because he sees us in our sin, in our brokenness, in our isolation, in our outcastness, in our doubt, in our fear, in our despair, and he shows us his love for us. The reading from Romans that we won't be reading together this morning says God proves his love for us, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Our Old Testament reading this morning is another story about thirsty people in the desert wanting water, and this time it's God's newly made chosen people, and they get thirsty and they get desperate and they get angry and they're quarreling with God and it's this whole ugly scene but God still provides for them and God is still with them even in their quarreling and their lack of faith 
But this is another story that people would have remembered in hearing the story of the good Samar of the Samaritan woman. Um, that would have been uh, a comparison, right? You hold these two stories together, and you see the people of God not believing God, and this woman who was supposedly not one of God's children embracing him. And this is something we see over and over again in the Bible, where it's the one who is outside, the one who is supposed to be untouchable that believes, is the only one that comes back and thanks Jesus, right? Is um, the one who has greater faith. And this is not God showing us that the people he chose, the children of Israel, are not any good, and they're not his people, and they're just terrible. That's not what God is saying at all. He also says again and again that his beloved children are his beloved children forever. God's love and commitment to people does not change. But what God does want to show us again and again and again, that it is the ones that the world pushes aside, the ones that often the religious and righteous push aside that God wants to speak to, that God wants to show his love to, that God wants to tell them everything about themselves, show them how much he knows them, and that he's still there with them so that they can be changed, so that they can tell others, so that entire communities can come to know the love of God. So in this season of Lent, as we welcome new members into our church and as we, in our own lives, seek to deepen our faith, let's once again remember that it is not anything that we do that is bringing us closer to God. It is God's great love for us in our most broken places and moments that gives us the desire, the ability, and the power to move into a deeper relationship with him. Bill, would you read our Old Testament passage for us this morning? Exodus 17, 1-7. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages, and the Lord commanded them. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for them to drink. The Lord quarreled with Moses. The people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why do you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock and thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people, and take some of the children of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock of your court. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it, so the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massah and Miramah, because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Mr. Joshua? Good morning, church. Good morning. 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 We're reading from the book of John, chapter 4, verses. 5 and 30. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sikor, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about a minute. A Samaritan woman came to go away, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. 
The disciples were going to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, the Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who is it that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, we have no money. The well is deep. Where did you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well and his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. <clears throat> the water that I will give them, <clears throat> that I will become. The water that I will give will become in them a stream of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. But you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true, the woman said to him. Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain. But you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming. You will worship the Father, not on this mountain, nor in Jerusalem. You will worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. The salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and is now, and is now here. We are true worshipers and worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking to the woman, but no one said, What do you want? Or why are you speaking with us? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? Then they left the city and were on their way to him. Amen. Amen. Please pray with us. God of abundant, overflowing life and abundant, overflowing love, you meet with us in the dry and desolate places of our lives where fear and pain and doubt have left us empty and longing. You meet us with unexpected answers that leave us not only filled, but forever changed. But we are slow to believe in your faithful provision, in your power to save us, in your presence among us. We demand results in our time and on our terms, not trusting your wisdom or your goodness. Forgive, Forgive us, O oh Lord. Lord. Reveal, Reveal yourself, yourself to us again, again. The, one the one who sees, sees our deepest need. need. 
and, and meets us there to fill it. Brothers and sisters, believe and have hope. God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Through him you are forgiven, you are welcome, you are loved. Let us rejoice together and give praise to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Enduring presence, goal, and guide, you go before and await our coming. Only our thirst compels us beyond complaint to conversation, beyond rejection to relationship. Pour your love into our hearts that refresh and renewed we may invite others to the living water given to us in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
Father God, thank you for your goodness to us, uh, for meeting with us here. Uh, Father, thank you for every good and perfect gift that comes from you. Father, take uh, all that we are, all that we have, and for the work that you are doing here among us and in our community, would multiply it uh, for good. Would we praise you and thank you and uh, watch and wait. Uh, look to you, Father, this morning in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Oh
us so deeply that not only did you come to be with us, but you came to pay a price that we couldn't, that you died and were resurrected such that we could live life with you, but you also, you come with us now and we pray that today in this space you would enter in, that you would speak through the words this morning. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Um, I'm not preaching today, just briefly to introduce my head, Garrett, uh, briefly to introduce my friend, John. Um, John and I think uh, we've realized that we are, yeah, please, come on. Um, we are kindred spirits. Uh, we have both seen some things that you can't unsee uh, around the time that I was working with Baptist Crossroads with my dad rebuilding Musicians Village in the Upper Nine post-Katrina, and John was doing the same thing in Central City. Um, and saw the needs there. I, around the time that I was teaching high school, um, John, and, and I hope he'll tell you more about his day-to-day -day work, but uh, John has mentioned to you the needs of uh, the youth in his neighborhood in the Hoffman Triangle there. Um, and that, that changes you. Uh, again, you see things you can't unsee, um, know things you can't unknow. Um, and, and it's difficult, but it's, it's beautiful, and it's good. Um, and so I, I first met John, um, to my knowledge, at a, a conference he did for Nova for my other other job, um, and it's just blown away uh, at insight in his heart for uh, loving people and, and crossing uh, any and every line that humanity makes uh, between the human race um, and and ministering to the needs of the community. So uh, I will very gratefully uh, welcome John and, and uh, pray for him this morning. So pray with me briefly. Uh, God, I pray just as I always do, Lord, that um, as we open your word today, God, that you would minister to hearts and minds your truth in your word today, God, because we know your truth will set us free, and we desperately long to be free. I pray this in Jesus' name, so we know you hear us. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Well, good morning, y'all. Good morning. Now, I'm going to need some help today, all right? I know you're kind of stayed, but you can go back to normal next week, so... Um, I thank you for the privilege of being here. To put it in, into some context, I was a youth pastor in Minnesota and we brought a group of high school kids and I slept upstairs. <laughs> I've showered in those showers, all right? But that's when they used to have, uh, have pews down here and I slept on the pew down here. So I have a kindred spirit about y'all, all right? But uh, that was what God used to, to move my wife and I from the Midwest to move and live in Central City, New Orleans. And that was that was 1991, so I'm about 63 years old, all right? So I'm an old guy. I'm an old guy, all right? But but I want before I even start, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Philippians says that we have a partnership in the gospel, right? We're in this together, no matter where we're at. And at the end of that, in that great passage where Paul says, I thank God for you for our partnership in the gospel. Then he says this, he who began a good work in you is going to get it done. What God starts, he finishes. Now, about you all, if you can come to my house, and I'm glad that this kind of stuff looks cool now, because, <laughs> it, because you come to my house, it kind of looks like that. It's half done. Anybody else? It's half baked. But what God starts, he finishes. And, and I want to encourage you that, that you are doing a good work, and it's exciting to be here with you. It's exciting to do that. And, and just, you know, it's hard. It's hard to not grow weary in well-doing. It's hard not to want to give up. Anybody else? Yeah. And, and I get like that every day. You know, but I have to lean into God, and God's like, I got this. 
in just to tie it all together with the reading from today. We, we skipped the first part of John 4. All right? And at the beginning of John 4, it says this. It says this in the, in the King James. Jesus said, says, I must needs go. All right? So what's that say? Jesus said, I gots to go. <laughs> I gots to go into the intersection of hard places. Jesus said, I gots to go to Samaria. Remember, Samaritans are half-breeds. They're nobodies. Jesus talked to a woman as a Jewish man. He's not supposed to do that. He's living at a tough intersection. Not only that, he says, baby, give me your cup. I'll drink from it. So we, we lose the context of things without understanding how Jesus came and lived at the intersection. Philippians chapter 2, he says this. Uh, Paul says, says, says they have the same attitude in you that's in Christ Jesus. Jesus, now, not that, that, that we, could, we could grasp what it was to be Jesus, but he says Jesus had this attitude, right? He became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Jesus lives at the intersection between a loving father and a broken us. Can I get an amen? amen. Jesus lives at this intersection. And I don't know about you all, intersections are hard, right? Inter where, where do most accidents happen in the world? In intersections. Where do people wave at you with one digit? In the intersection, right? Um, I'm from Wisconsin. Don't hold it against me. My mom is going to turn 94 this month. She still drives. That is scary. <laughs> Was there last month, Mom, going, hey, maybe you should give me the keys? She looked at me and said, you're going to have to pry them out of my dying hands. <laughs> and being the loving son I, I am, I said, well, that might happen sooner than you never mind. <laughs> <laughs> But guess who? So they put a roundabout in our little town. So my mama's going roundabout, all right? Now guess who had an accident two years ago in a roundabout? That was me. God's like, oh, you want to pick on your mama? This is what you get. But God calls us to live at the intersection. Right? And the intersections are hard. Intersection between, between God and the broken people, broken you and me calls us to live in intersection between black, white, rich, poor, documented, undocumented, straight, gay. God calls us to live at the intersection. Why? Because as you've been talking about justice, justice has a vertical component where Christ makes us white with one another. Justice in God's eye also has a horizontal component where we're made right with one another. Yeah. And so the hard part is living there. Can I get an amen? The hard, it's hard. I'll say amen to myself. It is hard. Because you know what? You know what us pastors talk about you all? You know what we say? It'd be a great job if it wasn't for the people. <laughs> I'm just going to be real with you. But God calls us to live at the intersection between the Father and a broken us. If we live at that intersection, why? Well, it's a great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So what we talk about is you love God with all you got. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And then we love people till we drop. So love God with all we got and love people till you drop. Amen? Amen. And so if you don't get anything else, just get that today. We're, I, I'm the director of Urban Impact Ministries. We're in Central City, New Orleans, where we want to create a neighborhood where kids can ride their bikes. To schools of excellence. Why? Because if a kid can't read, that's not a Democratic issue. That's not a Republican issue. That's a church issue. How can I say to any child in this in, in, in this fair city that God's got a plan and purpose for your life if they can't read? And we'll talk a little bit more about that. We want kids to ride their bikes to a safe place, place to gather, a place to hang, a place to be a kid. So how do we do that? Our youth ministry is run by a young man. Well, he's not young anymore. He's in his 40s. But I met him as a fifth grader. 
in the, in the Melbourne Project. So he runs that thing. And other, and other folks run what goes on within that. So we have the only free day camp in the city. You're looking for something to do this summer, come hang out with us a day or two. And so that day camp where we go and pick up kids, why? Because there's a lot of mamas that are working hard. And they get a bum rap from, this, from people. But they work hard. So we pick them up and it's a free day camp. And we hired, we hired 11 kids last, from the neighborhood last summer. The joy and frustration that that was. We have a youth ministry, as I said, run by a guy that, that did that. We have a, we have an open court, we call it, which is where we say, kids, you come hang out, come be a kid. We're going to love on you. We're going to care for you. We're going to, you know. But then we're going to do hard stuff. We're going to live at the intersection. A couple weeks ago, I'm, I'm, I'm there hanging out in Faith and and, uh, and Gerard. They're talking. And you ever notice how kids talk and they don't think you listen, you know? And she's like, yeah, let's go over to the park. So I'm here and, I'm, and so later I'm like, hey, Faith, where are you going? No, I'm going home. I said, oh, no, 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 baby. You said you're going to the park. Why are you going to the park? It's 8 o'clock at night. Nothing good's going to happen there. <sighs> I said, I'm going to drive by and make sure you don't go. All right? Did I want to drive by the park at 8 o'clock at night? No. Did I? Very quickly, yes. <laughs> Why? Because we live at that intersection of love of God and love of people. We want people to ride their bikes to a church that cares. Not that we're the only, and we're working on doing that because our church stumbled after after a while. But and, and we're not the only one. You care, other churches care, and then finally to a transformed household. Again, that's just our, our sneaky little way of saying we're going to share our lives. We're going to be a presence of God in the neighborhood. We're going to love God with all we got and the people to be drawn, and we're going to live at that intersection. So that's who we are. But that doesn't matter right now. It's kind of the word because the word matters more than what I say. So Isaiah 58 is where we're going to be today. All right? Isaiah 58. So if you go to the middle of your book, it's right there after, after Psalms. And Isaiah 58. So I'm going to ask you this question. Does your Sunday change your Monday? Does your Sunday, does your time with God change your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Does your time with God, because Isaiah 58 does that. Because let's remember this, you're God's pointee, you're God's workmanship. Ephesians chapter 2, you're God, you're a piece of art, not a piece of work. I'm going to say it again. God made you a piece of art, not a piece of work. And when he made you that, and when we accept Christ, we become a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. He pours in spiritual gifts into us. He makes us this great creation that is created to do great things. Great things. Amen. Great, oh, thank you, baby. Great <laughs> things that he prepared for you to do. I'm a fat German from Wisconsin. How in the world did I end up in Central City? God's got a plan. God's done stuff that we can never imagine. So here, to remember that, so we're created to do great things. Titus says this, he who gave himself for it, for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, to purify, purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous, who are what? Zealous, help me, who are what? Zealous, zealous for good works. Wow, that's who God made us. That's what God made us. And God said, does your Sunday change your mind? Because we've been, we have been saved not merely to avoid evil, evil, but to do good, to bring about God's justice, mercy, compassion, and salvation, to live at the intersection. Why? Because our Sunday's got to change our Monday. But you see, the problem is there's an indictment in the first part of this. So let's look at it. Shout it aloud and don't hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. So Isaiah's going, hey, you need to hear this. He's shouting. He's like a barker down on Bourbon Street saying two beers for one. He is barking out. There's something going on here, right? 
And this is what he says. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. Mm, not going too good. For day after day you seek me out. That's a good thing. They're seeking God every day. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands. They ask me for just decisions. They seem eager for God to come near me. They're going to small group. They're going to church. They're doing some of the right things. But something's not working right. Why? Because they're not willing to live at that intersection. They're not willing to let their Sunday change on Monday. Because then he says this. Why have we fasted, they say, and you haven't seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you haven't noticed? Yet day after day, again, on the day of your fasting, you do as you please. You do as you what? Please. Anybody else want to do what you want to do? Right? Remember, the heart wants what the heart wants. And if my heart's not aligned with God, it's going to want some stuff that's not going to work. So I've got to get rid of stinking thinking so I can have stinking living. And so within that, how does my heart work, right? And, you, and what does it say? You do as you please. You exploit your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife. It's speaking each other with wicked fists. Man, it's not going too good. Why? Because their Sunday's not changing their Monday. They're not understanding that God calls us to live at this intersection of loving Him and loving people and having my faith change how I love and care for others around me. That's justice, that others would flourish in God's kingdom. And so then he goes on to say this, you can't fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fasting I've chosen only for a day for one man to humble, to afflict himself, and only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is that what you call a Sunday? Is that what you call a relationship? So my question to you is, again, does your Sunday change your Monday? Does your time with God change how you do that? Because when we do that, His justice, His love, His mercy breaks forth all around us. Amen? And so then he goes on to say this. So you got a problem here, but here he's going to give us things, these seven things he's going to call us to do. So is this not the true fasting? Is this not the church? Is this not the Sunday I've called for you to do? And what's he say? To loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, to break every yoke. Anybody read that and go, man, that's too hard? Mm -hmm. Am I the only one that reads that and go, God, I need some help here, Lord. Like, how, how am I going to do that? Well, let's let's just break it down for a little bit. All right? We got. I'm preaching to the choir here, but broken people make broken systems. Right? You, you, everybody agreeing with me? Broken people make broken systems. Our faith enters into broken people's lives and enters into broken systems. Brings God's justice, mercy, compassion, salvation, love to all of that because we're living at that intersection. So to fight the injustice. Well, I mentioned I mentioned the education that we do. I don't know if you know, the, third, the United States government uses the third grade illiteracy rate to determine how many federal prison beds we need. It's not the only one, but it's one of the major ways they go, hey, how many prisons? So they'll look at Hassan, they'll look at Alvin, they'll look at Diamond, they'll look at Desi. These are kids that come to our program, and they'll go, hey, if you can't read in the third grade 15, 20 years from now, we need this many prison beds. Mm -hmm. So then if we're going to break the yoke, if we're going to be people of justice, then we're going to say, hey, how can we help these folks? How can we enter into their lives to make a difference? How do we get into that intersection? Again, not pointing fingers, because he's going to tell us not to quit pointing fingers, but to get involved to do that. And then it says to loose the chains of injustice. I'm going to preach to the choir again. All right? Racial disparities, likelihood of lifetime imprisonment. 
For all men is one in nine. For white men, the chance of going to prison is one in 17. For black men, it's one in three. For Latino men, it's one in 20. Whoa, my face got to jump into that, amen? But let's take it even, let's go a little harder. Let's drill down in New Orleans. African-American males, 16 to 35, have a one in 14 chance of being murdered. They have a one in eight chance of ending up in the emergency room being shot. My faith enters into that, amen? And it's hard, it's messy. But that's God's justice comes that you've been talking about. It's not just me being right with God. It's this horizontal aspect where I'm living at this weird intersection of things. And I'm going to encourage you as a church, you're doing that. And don't grow weary in well-doing. Amen? Don't grow weary. It's tough. It's tough. Man, people wear you out. Can I get an amen? Amen. They do. They do. But you know what? Look what Jesus, we read it today. And if I had known you were doing a good Samaritan, I'd preach that bad boy. <laughs> Jesus said, I got to go. And you notice he sent his boys away because I don't think they could have handled the gig. Hmm. He sent them away and they came back and go, Dang, why are you talking to her? Dang, where'd you get the food? And Jesus goes, hey, babies, I've got more for you than you'll ever see and imagine. Why? Because Jesus lives at that intersection. And ask us, does our Sunday change our Monday? But you know what? God helps me because I read those big things and I go, that's too much. And God goes, John, I know you're stupid. I hear might help you out. John, I know you need a little help because then what's he say? After he says to loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords, to set the oppressed free, to break every yoke, then he says, John, here it is. Is it not to share your food with the hungry? What do you do with the food in your pantry? We, we have a food distribution once a month. And the cool thing is it's run by 16 to 22 year olds from the neighborhood. And it is cool, it is great. We start at nine o'clock, we have cars lining up at seven in the morning. Here, what we do is this, we'll, we'll tell you if you come, John, right? So if John comes, we'll go, John, how many families are you getting for? You notice how we do that? Not how many are in your family? And people will go, here, let me see your ID. I'm like, nah, that's how the government works. That's not how we work. What do you need, right? And, and uh, so they'll go, well, I'm, coming, I'm gonna get for my neighbor. So then they'll get for two families. Some people come get for five families. Are they taking advantage of us? Oh, some people are, but it doesn't matter, right? And so, and so what it is, is it, it's saying, what do you do with the food in your pantry? Not only that, God goes on to say this, all right? And to provide the poor wanderer with shelter. Wow. What do I do with my spare bedroom? That's justice. That's living life at the intersection. This church does that and has done that for decades, amen? Don't grow weary in well-doing, folk. I know it's hard, but then what's he say? When you see the naked, the clothes in. What do I do with the, the clothes in my, in my closet? Anybody else got clothes in your closet? You're like, hey, when I lose weight, I want to get in them again? All right, some of y'all are lying. Some of y'all, I don't know, right? And after a while, I'm like, you know, I should probably just get rid of them bad boys, all right? And so, what do you do with the food in your pantry? You do the clothes in your closet? That's justice. It is both individual and systemic. And we live at this intersection of loving God and loving people as Christ did, right? And when you do it, and then he says this, and don't turn away your own flesh and blood. Am I the only one that sometimes I'd rather deal with strangers than my family? <laughs> oh, I heard a lot of moans there, right? But God says, 
in, 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 in reality, in the Hebrew, it's, it's talking about dealing with difficult people. But if I'm honest, I'm a difficult person. If I'm honest, I'm, I, I don't always have my Sunday change my Monday. If I'm honest, I'm selfish. I'm self-centered. But God says, don't turn them away. And then, it, and so God calls us to do those things, to see that happen. And then, if you look down, um, if you look down here at verse, I'm sorry, I'm not light and I'm old, all right? <laughs> the tail end of verse 9. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk. We do that well. You're not a part of my tribe. We live in binary tribalism. What does that mean? That means that you're not for me, you're against me. And there's only two sides. But God calls us to live at that middle. He said, get away. And we've done a, too good a job as a church of getting out the malicious talk, the mean talk, and the pointing of fingers. And then he says this, if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed. So that spend yourselves in the Hebrew means you're giving out your soul, your entire soul. You are pouring your life out on behalf of the hungry, and you satisfy the needs, the needs again there is soul. So God's saying, you know what? For you're starting to change your money, you're going to deal with hard things. You're going to love on people. You're going to live at this intersection that's messy and hard. Why? Because you're going to love God with all you got. You're going to love people till you drop, and you're doing that. So please don't think I'm coming here to beat you up around doing this. I'm here to encourage you to keep doing it. Amen? Keep doing it. And, and at the end, I'm going to tell you why it's worth it. All right? So then, once we do all of that, once our Sunday changes our Monday, let's look and see what happens. All right? Let's look and see what happens. Then it says in verse 8, Then your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will quickly appear. And then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. You will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he'll say, here I am. So he says, you'll be a light in the darkness. You'll be a healer of wounds. God will heal those broken issues and those things in your life. Not only that, God will have your back. He'll be your rear guard. And then you'll call out to God, and he'll say, here I am, John. Here I am. That's who he is. When our Sunday changes on Monday, God says, I got it, baby. I got you. I got this. It's hard. It's messy when you live at the intersection, but I got you. Amen? Yeah. Come on, help me out. Can I get a better one than that today? <laughs> Amen. That's who God is. That's what he says. That's what he's going to do. So Bucharest Baptist Church, God's got your back behind our tired yard. God is there. He hears you. He's with you. Let's keep it going on together. Let's keep going on in partnership in the gospel, knowing this, that he who starts it, finishes it. And that's what he does. He'll guide us. And it says, our souls will be satisfied with scorch. God will be our strength. He will, will be a well water that will spring up like, like waters. And he keeps going on. He does that. All right? You spend yourself on the poor and the knees of the oppressed, then your light rises, ooh, you get your shine on, your night will become the noonday, the Lord will guide you always, and he will always satisfy your needs. He will guide you when? Always. Now help me today, guide you when? Always. Not sometimes, always. He will satisfy your needs, always. When? Always. We as a church universal have our Sunday change our Monday. Whoa, look out. 
And that, again, I'm going to encourage you, church, that's what you're doing. And then I love the back end of this. He says this. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of the broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Look around, you're doing that. It's hard. You're in an intersection. You're in an intersection. I'll be up front that it is, I, I don't get it, even though I just live five minutes from you. You're living in a totally different intersection. But that's where God's called you. And it's a beautiful place. Why? Because there's a partnership in the gospel. Why? Because he who started is going to finish it. Why? Because he's going to satisfy you. He's going to satisfy your need. He's going to do all of that. Can I get an amen? So, thank you, Buku Red Baptist Church, for having your Sunday change your mind. Alex, thank you. Yeah, can, I, can I help your pastor for a second? Yeah, I don't care what you say. <laughs> Dude, I am so proud of you, friend. And, and I haven't met you yet. I'm sorry. It's working. This lady who wanted to come, my wife wanted to come. We were at, we did a big, there was home rally in our neighborhood. She got stung by a bee in her first few days. You know, so she wanted to be here really bad. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's hard. It's worth it. When you're struggling in life, it's worth it. Why? Because he's going to accidentally take care of you. And I want to thank God it didn't always look like I thought it should look. Amen? Yeah. I want to thank God a lot. Because I would uh, it would. It's worth it. And it's hard and it's messy. And people stink some days. I stink some days. But Jesus became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And if you don't know him, he wants to be in your life. But it's up to you. You gotta say, God, you're mine. Not this world, not this stuff. Maybe for some of you in here today, you need to be reminded that God's standing on the porch and it's time to come home. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've become, it's time to come home. It's time to come home. Maybe you're in here today and you're going, I'm here, but I'm a little weary of living at this place. I'm weary. Let me encourage you. Yesterday, um, so we're, we're, we're in Central City. Central City, basically St. Charles, the Broad, uh, the Expressway, down to Cumberland Avenue. So it's pretty big everything. My wife and I have been, we technically live in the next neighborhood three minutes from there. But anyway, so we started by hanging out, took six boys to camp. That began a boy Bible study, the girls' Bible study. Then I started coaching football in Booker T. Washington, even though I played hockey in college, people was transferable, right? But that's where I had to learn as a white man, I had to learn that I earned the right to be on that set. That I just couldn't go in there and say I'm all that. So that meant cleaning uniforms, getting kids out of jail, make sure we had enough stuff to even have practice. And after a year of that, he said, all right, you just want to do the kicker and fun. All right, then we saw an education deals, and then Junior and I came and we started the church. But we first, our first office in the neighborhood was in the Melvin Bain Housing Project. 
the old bricks. And Miss Cynthia was, uh, was helping run the project back then in the 90s, she's still there. So I called her up and said, hey, we're gonna have this, there's Hope Rally, we're gonna go with a couple other churches, we're gonna do a little prayer walk and end up at the, end up at the park, and we're gonna have a little program, and then we're gonna feed people, right? It's not rocket science. Well, she's like, sure, go ahead. So we get there, and you know who the two speakers were? Not me. Tyrone King, 21, grew up in that project. Two summers ago, he worked for us, and we didn't fire him because he quit before we could, before he could. And he was telling me to do stuff that was biologically impossible to catch my drill. But then right after that, God grabbed the hold and he stood up there and said, I used to live here. I didn't have hope, now I have hope. After him was another Tyrone, Tyrone Christoph. I met his fifth grade hanging out on the porch. And I got to sit there, and I almost called Because I'm not that good. God's that great. And it wasn't rocket science, Bukhare. It was presence. It's not rocket science. And here's the cool thing. I mentioned Miss Cynthia, right? Miss Cynthia came up to me and Pastor Jamal Weathersby at New Hope and said, hey, I want you to do a, an Easter service right here. I'll pay for it. I'm like, cool. Part of me is like, that's great. The other part of me is like, oh, I don't know, man. It's, I don't know if we can pull that bad boy off right away, right? You know what I'm saying? But that's this intersection living. Does that make sense? That's, that's living at the intersection. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. And when our Sunday changes our Monday, y'all, look out. God does amazing things. Look out. Look right. Don't go weary and well doing. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. Keep letting your Sunday change your Monday. Keep living at this hard intersection of stuff. And remember this. But God starts, he finishes. Remember this. You can't save anybody. You can't make anybody better. But God's going to do it. Be a presence at intersections. Be there. Let your Sunday change your Monday. And watch God break forth like a dog. Watch him do stuff you never thought or imagined. You're loved. Everybody hear me? And I imagine there's days in this place you feel like you're all alone. You're not. You're loved. You're admired. And we got a partnership together. And let's let let's let God do amazing stuff. Because of us and in spite of us. Amen. 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 Thank you for the privilege of being here. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you for putting up with me. <laughs> and thank you for letting this non-Baptist try to become a Baptist. <laughs> Be encouraged, y'all. I thank God for you. Paul says it better than I did in Philippians. Let's let our Sunday change our Monday. And let's watch God do amazing things. Lord, I thank you for this place. Lord, I thank you that... Lord, I, I even start tearing up thinking about how 
Now, I brought high school kids from Minnesota to sleep upstairs. That's amazing. Now, you took me and you took my, 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 my wife who grew up in Iowa and you plopped us down in Central City. God, you do crazy stuff. I thank you, Lord, that you never gave up on me. But Lord, I also thank you you never gave in to me. If there's anybody in here saying, you know what, my, my Sunday's kind of not changing my Monday right now. I'm kind of wrapped up into some other stuff. And maybe you need to come home to that. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you're saying, God, I, I want more of you today. Would you just pick up your head and look at me? I see that. 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 So, Lord, for those that looked up, God, you know what's going on. Holy Spirit's in them. They don't need to be told what to pray. You're going to tell them right now. Thank you for that. And God, now may our Sunday change our Monday. Thank you, dear Jesus, that you did not consider equality with God something to grasp, but you emptied yourself. You moved into the neighborhood. You became flesh and blood. You went to the Samaritan woman. You went to the zealots. You went to the tax collectors. You didn't give up on Peter when he denied you. Lord, you didn't even give up on your half-brother who, who, who called you out. But Lord, now he's there calling people to follow you. We love you. Thank you for this place. And especially for the pastor and for the first lady. God, would you pour into them. Yes. May they know that they know that they know that you've called them here. You love them. You're going to see them through. Yes. And when those hard days happen, Lord, may they rely on you knowing this. That when they lean into you, they will break forth like the dawn. Be with their kids. Help them, Lord. We pray that their kids would someday, Lord, they call Alex daddy, but they call you their heavenly father too. We love you. We praise you. And we thank you. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen.
singing the doxology.